Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email this week. And it came from somebody who said, Carol, why are there so many resources for sex addicts, but nothing for partners? Well, now I got to tell you, there are plenty of resources for partners, but you're right. In comparison, sex addicts have a lot of additional resources. They tend to have more meetings available to them, more online meetings. Um, There are definitely more books that have been written for them uh, and probably even more therapists that are 100% certified and specialized in sex addiction. But the good news is that that is all increasing for partners too. And so I am super jazzed to be telling you that, you know, everybody's going to get treated. What we're really trying to do right now is work with kids. You know, so many children where sexual betrayal has occurred, have a notion that something is wrong, but they can't figure out what. And so we really need to get in there and do some good family work so that we can help the entire system and, of course, decrease um, the possibility of this happening for our children. Let's face it, we all know that they're susceptible and they're vulnerable and they get information from fellow peers and they've run into what mom and dad have seen and watched on their computer. Um, if there's multiple affairs, they may not get it, 
but they know there's tension and there's wrongdoing and there's jealousy. And so there are a lot of different areas to explore, but I do want you to know we're working on it. And you've heard me say it a zillion. I say we are pioneers in the field. And you all are pioneers too. Sex addiction has always been around, but not to this capacity because of the internet. It's affordable, it's accessible, and it's anonymous. And that means that the very thing that just has brought so much um, education and enlightenment to the world also is very, very dark and can unfortunately link up to many, many, many problems. Yeah, I'm telling you, talk about problems. Now, I am reading a really good book for anybody who wants to take their life to the next level. They don't necessarily want to do a book on sexual addiction or partner betrayal, but they want they want something that will encourage them to really continue to raise the bar on their own life. So this is a book I read about 10 years ago. And somehow, I don't know exactly why, but it, it was on my, um, it was in my library on Audible. One of my very favorite books, it's called The Attractor Factor by Joe Vitale. And Joe is, um, has a very unique and unusual story. He was in the secret, and he was homeless and didn't have anything to his name, came from Ohio and uh, lived in his car. And then he just decided that he needed to be grateful. He needed to be grateful for what was. And so he's looking around going, what am I going to be grateful for? I stink. I haven't had a bath in months. Um, I'm eating out of garbage cans. My life has gone to hell. What do I have to be grateful for? And in his car was a pencil. And he looked at his pencil and he said, you know what? I can be grateful for this pencil. And, you know, I'm a big believer in gratitude. I mean, I right in front of me, I have live in gratitude for what is next. And then it says, dear Lord, use me, move me, take me where I can reflect you, put words in my mouth and at my hand that will facilitate you. I resist nothing because I have faith that you have me. I am ready. So that is a little sign I have to remind me to live in gratitude. Well, Joe Vitale started really looking into the world of metaphysics, and he followed Napoleon Hill, who, you know, wrote the book Think and Grow Rich, kind of a Bible, if you will, on how to make money. And then, no disrespect to the Bible, and um, he just started really working on positive beliefs. And in the attractor factor, I'm going to do a YouTube on this. Many of you know that I do YouTubes, right? And I do them for sex help with Carol the Coach, and they're on addiction, partner betrayal, and couples work. But then I also have this Carol the Coach 
uh, YouTube channel. It's actually, I think, under Carol Sheets. That's my last name. And I do positive motivational coaching videos. And I think I'll deal with this one next. So it is a five-part formula. Let's see if I can remember it from when I was working out this morning. The first thing that normally comes to our being is, uh, what don't you want? So that's how you start. You say, what don't I want? And I can tell you right now, I am creating. I'm, it's done. I'm not creating. It is done. It is a post-traumatic growth course for partners. I think it's amazing. But I wanted to offer it free to my 10 partners that are in it. And I enrolled them myself, and I, off, I, I charged them nothing. And then I sent them the link, and I spent all weekend with getting emails that said, I can't get in. Help me get in. I don't know what's wrong. It's wanting to charge me. And I'm like, this should not be that hard. And so then I disenrolled them. I know you guys probably care about this, right? I disenrolled them. I enrolled them again, and I put in free for them. And I had like three or four that could get in, and the rest couldn't. Now, who knows what in the world is the problem? And my platform is not getting back with me, which is very painful and very hurtful. If anybody knows how to use Teachable, the platform, I want you to send me an email to carol at carolthecoach.com or call me. My number is on my website. I will pay you to help me figure this out. I want to talk to somebody. So if you've ever done a teachable course and you think you can help me and maybe even create some coupons for free, I would love that. Because as a coach, I go in for the big ask, right? And that is a huge ask because I want to distribute this this week. I want it off my plate and I want it into the universe. So back to Joe Vitale. And that is, by the way, V-I-T-A-L-E. Joe says you ask, you ask, what don't I want? And you write it down. And then you ask, well, what do I want? So what don't I want? I don't want any more frustration about this course. I am a bright woman. I've been called brilliant by my friends. And I can't figure out how to do this. So what do I want? I either want to hire somebody who can do it for me effortlessly and not charge me too much, or I want to have somebody help me to figure it out myself. That's what I do want. Then the third part of the formula is that you ask yourself, what limiting belief do I have about myself that is getting in my way? Well, I am a people person. I love people. I want to help people. I want to connect to people. But I am not very good at learning new technological things. Now, I say that, but this is my second course that I've done. And this one went a lot smoother, a lot quicker, a lot faster. So I do acclimate. But obviously not 100% because I am really having trouble. Okay, 
So that's my limiting belief that, you know, I am not tech savvy. As a matter of fact, I'll even go so far, although I do not really believe this. I've done over 100 videos. I've made movies. I've done all sorts of wild things. But I always say I'm a dinosaur, that I can't figure it out. So that's my limiting belief. And then the next thing is, what would I prefer to believe about myself? I would prefer to believe that I am confident, capable, and can work through this. And last but not least, um, I feel the feeling. I feel the feeling of success. I feel the feeling of the products going out there. I feel the feeling of Dr. Phil or Mel Robbins, you know, contacting me and saying, Carol, this is an amazing course. You work with addicts and partners. Come be on our show. You know, we need to get this information out, and you're the perfect person to deliver it. Okay, I know at this point you may be thinking, well, Carol, you might just be a bit grandiose, but I really am not. I mean, I think we all are capable of relating to people and educating, and some people like to do it better than others, and I have been my archetype is an educator. That's what I love to do. Now, I love it when other people educate, and that's why I am so super excited to have Charlene Benson on. She wrote this book called Unstuck, Move from Powerless to Empowered in Your Relationships. Now, she is a CSAT, so she really gets it. Um, but in this book, she is just writing about relationships. And she has this uh, stick, if you will. You know, she talks about helping you get unstuck, get out of the ditch, and that she really does believe there are powerful pathways to help you avoid giving up and defeat or getting stuck at an impasse. And so... Not only is she a relationship coach, but she's a licensed practitioner in Colorado, Westminster, and she specializes in relationships, trauma, and addictions. So I said, send me your book. I want to read it. And she said, you know, here's a map for your road trip. And I thought it was just really, really nice. Uh, she says, to my friends, those we hang around and go camping with from SSA, from school, college, grad school, church, you name it, thank you for the way you have touched my life. So she's really a big believer in the fact that if you're stuck in the relationship ditch, you can get out of that. Um, and so she talks about how to do that. And I, this, was, this was really very comprehensive. It was easy to comprehend. And I said, yes, I want to have you on the show. I know Dr. Rob Weiss has had her on. We're all just trying to, to find out more about her formula. Again, her book, Unstuck, Move from Powerless, to empowered in your relationships. And so uh, I'm really excited to have her on the show because I know for my fellow um, 
listeners who may be in addiction and in addiction recovery and are partners who have felt betrayed and they're still with their spouse, both of these types of people, they want help. They want to get unstuck. They want to get out of the ditch. So, Charlene Benson, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Well, How are you? Well, you must be thinking I'm your guest. No, I'm not. I sure you aren't. Okay. Are are you a listener? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listen on because I think I've got Charlene on next. And wow, that was really interesting. Charlene, is that you? That is. And I'm sorry if I got on too soon. No problem. I'm just so happy to have you on. I was telling our listeners about this book and that you really uh, teach them powerful pathways so that they don't get stuck in defeat and they don't feel that impasse. They get out of that ditch and find an easier way. So tell us a little bit about what made you decide to write the book. Well, I've been using this principle with my clients and using this model of uh, and metaphor of a ditch for the last uh, nine, ten years with my clients, and invariably lights would come on for them, and they would recognize default patterns that they had been uh, going to using and not even realize that they were predictable, they were patterns, and it was really helpful for, for them to understand what the behavior was. Okay, so you've been using it with your clients, and I'm a big believer in metaphors. As a matter of fact, I trained with Milton Erickson, who was the metaphor king. He really believed that that was one of the best ways to get people, not to take your your jargon, but to get them unstuck, was to use metaphors with them. And um, in my new post-traumatic growth online course, I asked my clients to draw metaphors of where they were and where they want to be. So I love this idea of getting unstuck from the ditch. And you, you just asked people, are you stuck in a relationship ditch? So say a little bit more about that. So uh, being stuck, what, what I love about this metaphor is, the being on the road is balanced, mindful, aware, and conscious. And so when you go beneath the surface of the the earth, it becomes subconscious, automatic, pre-programmed, and a reaction. So we don't – I'm sorry, what? Nothing. Continue. Okay. So we don't have to think to default to these behaviors. They just automatically happen. When we get triggered or something happens and we don't know how to balance or behave in any other way, we default to these ways of reacting. And well, they absolutely. Do, and, and you say that people kind of get me-focused, don't they? Um, uh, or us-focused. Yes, I mean, there's exactly. two types of people. Right, and we tend to be attracted to the other person. So if I'm an, other, an others-focused person, which means I'm a people pleaser, and we hear people say that all the time, oh, I'm a people pleaser, which uh, a lot of times that's a really good thing. Where it ceases to be a good thing is when 
we're giving up who we are and what we want continually in service for others. There's a time and a place to do that, but if we're finding that we're doing this over and over again and our needs and wants aren't getting met because we're always giving in to what the other people want, then that's where we're in the ditch. And so it's about reining in the extremes. So both ditches are extremes, and both ditches, the behaviors that we find there, are driven out of fear that often we don't even realize that we have and feeling powerless to do anything else. Okay, so now I'd like to know, first of all, you reference ditch people. So is that what you were just describing when you said they're either OF, others-focused, or MF, me-focused? Yes, and so when we are engaging in these default behaviors without awareness of that, that we're doing that, then I, instead of saying your behavior is unacceptable or that's abuse or any of those other kinds of things which are heavily laden with shame, uh, it's, it's the, the truth is we all engage in these behaviors at some level, and so it's every person on the planet. And so to be able to say that's a ditchy behavior is not nearly as shaming, but it, it still points out the fact that it's not really a healthy thing for us to be doing. And when we can begin to recognize what our default patterns are, in, in a sense, it levels that because we recognize that, well, my ditchy way of acting isn't any better than your ditchy way of acting, even though I might be me-focused at one point or others focused. And uh, I used to have this attitude of my others when I was really stuck in my others-focused ditch of thinking that I was much better than my partner who had these other behaviors that I didn't like at all. And I viewed him as being selfish and controlling and demanding, manipulative and critical and those kinds of things, which were not very flattering ways to describe my husband when he was in a a negative state. But I was completely oblivious to how my ditchy behaviors were affecting him. And my ditchy behaviors were not any nicer or better. They just were giving up who I was to try to please him, and he was just staying focused on himself when he was in his refocusing. Okay, so now let me ask you, because obviously you have discovered 21 predictable um, default behaviors for the OF and the MF, and, and you are a CSAT, and you're a CMAT, and you're a licensed counselor, and so do you think these default behaviors are more characteristic of addiction, or are they more characteristic of everybody? Well, uh, when we're in our other's focus ditch, that's where you could find somebody who's codependent or the partner of an addict because they are trying their darnest to help that person in their life who has become very new focused. And so when we lean towards addictive behavior, uh, then that's becoming very new focused because we're not thinking about how it's affecting other people in our lives. And so, and and do you find that addicts 
um, you know, they're always characterized as being me-focused and self-centered and selfish. Um, do you think then that they tend to have more MF uh, quality? Uh, and they're, in their addictive behavior, they definitely do. But this was an interesting thing that happened. So for a long time, when I was sharing this with clients and was learning the various aspects of the 21 behaviors, and I'm sure it's not, I haven't exhausted all the different default behaviors. Those are just the most common ones that I've become aware of to date. Um, but I, for the longest time, believed that I was an, an others-focused person, and uh, when I would default, that would be the only thing I would default to. And I was convinced my husband was a me-focused person. And when he defaulted, he would only default to his uh, me-focused ditch. Well, I was at a recovery program. And after our meeting was over, I was talking to a friend and was telling her that I felt like I walked on eggshells around my husband, which is a classic others-focused behavior. And uh the problem was he was within earshot, and he overheard me say that, and he piped into the conversation, and he said, well, I feel like I walked on eggshells around you, too. And it's like, I was floored. And it's like, what? What do you mean you walk on eggshells? I'm the one that's walking on eggshells in this family. And so I went home that night, and I had another huge aha, and that was that we switched dishes. And that was a huge change in my perspective because all of a sudden I realized that I wasn't any better than my husband because I too defaulted to me focused behavior but what was different was it was on the topic I would be others focused perhaps about the majority of the topics but there were some topics that I was very me focused about and so I would engage in all the MS behaviors just like my husband but they just looked different. And he would engage in the OF behavior, just like I did, but they also looked different, which is why we never picked up on our switching ditches for all the years that we were married. And so what I realized is that we all default to most of these behaviors, not all of them, but most of these behaviors at some point in our lives we feel very powerless and we have fear driving uh, our actions because we don't know what else to do. Okay, so let's go over one more time. Um, when you are an MS, you're trying to protect yourself from abandonment by acting in rejecting ways. Would you say that would be true? That's a hundred percent true. So the way we act in rejecting a ways is by being selfish or controlling or perfectionist or manipulative or demanding, critical, all of those kinds of things tend to push people away from us. And having expectations which are always tied to being disappointed. Uh, so all of those are me-focused types of behaviors. And when we become fearful of being abandoned, we start acting more in those kinds of ways because Subconsciously, I don't know that we ever stop and think about it consciously, but subconsciously, it feels like we're more in control if we push the person away than if that person abandons us. And we already experienced abandonment as children at some level, whether our parents were there 
most of the time or not, something happened in our lives where we felt abandoned. And so we're carrying some residual anger about that. And that's where that anger comes in. And so we push away the other person. And an others-focused person experienced rejection at some level in childhood. And so they are, their actions tend to be geared around trying to get people to like them, accept them, to protect themselves from being rejected. And so when they start to feel like the other person is rejecting them, they will withdraw and shut down rather than stand up and fight. And so we've pulled somebody into our life who tends to be from the opposite extreme. And so then we are both triggering one another. And because we switch ditches, we switch between being terrified of being abandoned and terrified of being rejected. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And the more fear of abandonment or rejection, the more they inadvertently pull that into their lives by their own automatic responses, right? Exactly. And so if we can be aware of this and recognizing the, recognize the fear that's driving our behaviors and actually even name that fear, it's like, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid you're going to leave me. And then we can bring it to the surface and have a conversation about it. Or maybe we can go to a therapist and deal with our past abandonment issues. Uh, or rejection issues, and so we're not so triggered by things that happen to us in the present day. Well, yeah, and then I, I like you, believe that once we recognize our behaviors and name them, we can overcome the fears by employing our tools and skills and resources to do it differently. So how, what do you do? How does this model help couples who are struggling with addiction? So how it helps is, first of all, it helps them to recognize that they both have a bunch of behaviors they can work on. And so it's not all about the partner being, you know, the innocent victim here because the others focus ditch. When we're really in the ditch, we'll feel like a victim. And that victim feeling is a very powerless feeling. And so what that helps for other focused people or the person who's in relationship with an addict is helps them to recognize how they can become empowered and what they can begin to do differently so they're not left feeling victimized once again. And the addict can begin to understand what their behaviors are doing that and, and how what they're doing is to try to protect themselves from being abandoned, but they're actually pulling that into their lives. And so when they can begin to recognize what those behaviors are that continue to contribute towards tanking their relationships, then uh, they can begin to do something about it. And so it's sort of a simple three-pronged thing. First, name the behavior that I'm defaulting to. Second, identifying what is the fear or fears that is driving that behavior and actually naming them. And then in the latter part of my book, I talk about 24 different ways to address that fear. So there's ways of actually getting rid of it. And one of those ways could even be like if you get stuck in traffic and you're worried about um, being late to an appointment and you've done everything you can to let people know that you might be late, 
then there's nothing you can do about it. Making a conscious decision not to be worried takes away that fear. And so there's 20 other yeah, So how do you do that? It's, it, first, how you, you become conscious. How you do that is by becoming consciously aware of that fear that's uh, creating the anxiety or creating that feeling of powerlessness. And fear always goes along with the feeling of powerlessness. Okay, so if you are that person riding along and you know you're going to be late and you've done everything in your power to, um, oh, to you know, call people, let them know, blah, 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 what would you tell yourself or what would you do to release that fear? Okay, so what I would consciously think and in, in it's really important to make this a conscious thing because when it's subconscious, it stays at a fear level. But when I bring it to the surface and I go, is there anything I can do about it? No, I called ahead and I let them know I might be late because I'm stuck in a traffic jam. Is there anything else I can do about it? No. Well, then I'm going to just relax and enjoy the music. I'm going to sing to the radio at the top of my lungs. And I'm just going to enjoy this time because there's not one ounce of worry that's going to get me there faster. Well, you know, you call yourself a relationship coach, and I am a therapist as well as a life coach. And that is what we talk about, too, especially people that are prone to anticipatory anxiety. It's like they have made up 10, 15, 100 scenarios of what's going to happen because they're late. And you know, most of the time, we worry, 80% of the time, we worry about things that never do happen. So I That's like that you're helping people get out of the ditch, right? Right. Yeah. And, and so the 24 different ways of addressing the fear, depending on what the fear is, will depend on which of those. Sometimes we can use several of those um, strategies and sometimes just one strategy, other times a combination goes uh, well, but it, it just really helps us to become empowered and to be able to one at a time knock away those fears that we have. And at the deepest level, fear of rejection and fear of abandonment drives so much of our ditchy behavior. Okay, so I'm looking at your book right now. And first of all, I want to ask you, where can they pick up unstuck Move from powerless to empowered in your relationships. Well, if if you want a signed copy, you can order one from me mm-hmm. directly. Uh, if you you can order it on uh, Amazon, it's available on Goodreads. Um, it uh, at my website, which I'm still working on getting that up, but it's um, ditchpeople.com is my website. You could email me mm-hmm. at book at gmail.com. I'm available on Facebook under Charlene Benson Author. So you could get a hold of me at any of those ways. Fantastic. And again, for our listening audience, if you feel like you tend to be others-focused, then you probably might have at least uh, at least 10, if not 15, of the following characteristics, and I want to read them. 
You know, you may be a people pleaser or you may be a yes man or woman. You may be readily, uh, you readily give up what you want to avoid conflict, uh, difficulty making decisions, walking on eggshells, expressing your thoughts, expressing your feelings. You're avoidant. You may be codependent, blaming, passive. You may feel obligated like you don't really do what you want to do because you feel obligated to do the right thing. Resentful, sarcastic, hurt, passive aggressive. You may withdraw, shut down. You may feel the chaos and cause chaos, be a victim, or be self-harming. And like you said, Charlene, the first key to getting healthy and to getting unstuck is to become aware of of these characteristics and own them. Wouldn't you agree? Exactly. So if we can recognize that this is what we're defaulting to because we don't know what else to do, then we can begin to ask ourselves, well, what else can I do? And this book helps people to understand other options that they could do, just give them some ideas of, well, what else could I do instead of being a people pleaser all the time? Well, um, when I'm in my other focus ditch, what I forget to think about is me. I forget to think about my thoughts, my feelings, my concerns, and my desires because I'm so focused on the thoughts, feelings, concerns, and desires of the other person in my life. And when I'm in my me-focused ditch, I'm only thinking about my own thoughts, my feelings, my concerns, and desires, and I forget to think about the other person. And so climbing out of the ditch is about beginning to think about both sides at the same time and valuing them equally. And, of course, if we knew how to do that, we wouldn't land in the ditch in the first place. (laughs) But we don't know how to do that, and so that's where we need help to figure out how do I value my own thoughts, feelings, concerns, and desires equally with that of my partner. And if I tend to be in my other focus ditch, I need to start thinking about me more. If I'm in my new focus ditch, I need to start thinking about others more. And when we're on the Mm -hmm. road, we have a lot of strengths that we can pull from, from having been in the ditch. Other focused people tend to be uh, service-oriented. They really do enjoy helping others. You know, all kinds of helping professions, including being coaches and counselors, doctors, nurses, teachers, um, volunteers, uh, people who do missionary work, all those kinds of people tend to be others-focused because they gain a lot of joy. They're flexible and they're easygoing. And, of course, me-focused people tend to be more driven and focused and uh, goal-oriented, ambitious, and uh, because they're not hindered by thinking about what other people might want. They're just thinking about what they want, uh, which in, as a leader, um, when they're on the road as a leader, they're able to think about their people as well as them at the same time. And so but when we get in the ditch, is get, it just goes to an extreme. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sitting here looking and just in the same way as I read the other focus, I just want to remind people that if you have a tendency to be me focused, you're going to be selfish. You're going to default answer is going to be no. You're going to be perfectionistic. You're going to think I'm always right, or at least I'm right. You're going to have difficulty seeing 
the other person's perspective so you don't have a lot of empathy. Um, demanding, manipulative, critical, controlling, you're verbal, uh, you have a lot of expectations, you've got a lot of disappointments, you're angry, demeaning, threatening, yelling, attacking, rigid, addictive, and you hurt others. And so if you are that person or you are involved in a relationship with that person, you have to have that awareness so that you can actually move yourself, climb out of the ditch as you refer to it. So how does somebody climb out of their ditch? So climbing out of the ditch, of course, the very first thing is awareness. And as counselors and therapists, we all raise, uh, work at helping people to raise their awareness level of what it is that they're doing that's hurting them and others. And so becoming aware of what is it that I'm doing that's making, that's contributing to the problem. And so once I can begin to recognize what my behaviors are, and it's really, you know, it's like misery loves company. It's really comforting to know that everybody else struggles with these very same things, that it's not just me. And that we all have these tendencies to go so that it's kind of uh level setting or it helps us to know it's like we all get stuck in the ditch and so by focusing what I can do to get out of my own ditch I can become empowered I can't I mean I spent a lot of years trying to go over to the other ditch and in order for my husband to come out of it or go down in the ditch and try to push him out or carry him out and I couldn't do any of those things he had to be able to climb out of his own ditch and by me to change what I did by recognizing what my unhealthy behaviors were, naming those fears, figuring out what to do about that fear so I wasn't living in fear and reacting out of fear anymore. Then I came out of my ditch, and it was like throwing a rope to my mate to climb out of his own ditch. And so often when we do climb out of our ditch, it is it, it helps the other person to choose to come out of their own ditch. It's just amazing when we change what we do that it at least removes the obstruction from our spouse to climb out of their ditch. Now, sometimes they don't, in which case then we have other decisions that we can make when we're on the road. We're able to think about ourselves and value what we need uh, equally with that of others. And so then we're able to make decisions in favor of what's best for us. And sometimes when we're in our others focused ditch, we're not able to do that. And when we get stuck in our me focus, we're not able to, to think about what's best for the other people in our lives. And so that's why we engage in harmful and hurtful behavior that ends up hurting us too, but we don't even recognize it. And one thing about these ditch behaviors is like at the very deepest part of the ditch on the other focus is self-harming behaviors. And on the me focus ditch, it's harming others' behaviors. A lot of us don't go that deep in the ditch, but when we get into an addiction at some level, we are harming others, or we tend towards self-harming behaviors, whether it be eating too much or not eating enough or exercising too much or not exercising at all or driving reckless with some of those passive ways of being self-harming that we wouldn't even necessarily think about as being harmful to ourselves. Yeah, and and. 
So it's important to have an awareness of how you show up, but it's also important to to not only know how you may be acting out, but how you may be acting in and change that. And I'm sure you agree with this, Charlene. My number one coaching principle is that I'm 100% responsible and accountable for my behavior. And that's really good emotional maturity when we can default to saying, okay, now how have I contributed to this problem? And so you're really teaching people how to become unstuck by looking at their behavior and making different choices. Right. And what in behaviors that they never even knew were connected or influenced uh, the how other people responded to them. I mean, mm-hmm. my difficulty mm-hmm. expressing my thoughts and feelings to my husband created a lot of frustration for him. And when he felt frustrated, he'd get angry. But I didn't have a clue that my inability to speak up and advocate for myself was contributing to the problem in that way. And my and yet I assume now you've got a very happy relationship because you do get it. You've had that awareness, and you have picked other behaviors to uh, get you back on the road again. That's exactly right. I mean, we went from a really dark place in our relationship that was we were both really struggling and very much questioning whether or not our relationship should continue. And as we both began work in, in the, in, I think for me, a turning point was letting go of trying to fix myself and starting to focus on what I could do differently. And that was a huge turning point for me. Now it took a long time to turn around like a big ship, but uh, that was, really empowering for me because I stopped trying to get my mate to change and I started looking at what I needed to change. And until then, I didn't even know I had anything that needed to be changed. I thought it was all him. I get that. And, you know, um, what I really appreciate is that you were able to see these patterns in yourself. You were able to see them in your clients. You put together this metaphoric and theoretical concept for people. And really, you have made this book so understandable. I mean, I'm really impressed with the way you have broken it down. It's so readable, and it, it's just easy. You know, you've got a lot of stepping stones for for getting healthy, and I love that. So now, let me ask you. You said that they can contact you to get an autographed copy of this book. Remind everybody how they can get a hold of you again. Okay, you could contact me by uh, emailing me at cbensonbooks. That's C-B-E-N-S-O-N books at gmail.com on Facebook Charlene Benson author my website ditchpeople.com which is coming soon you could get a hold of me uh, at you can look at my website uh, for my therapy website coaching website is Benson Therapist Dot com. Those are all ways that people could get a hold of me. And so, as we wrap up 
this show, can you share with our listening audience anything else that you would like them to know about this situation or about your book? Um, so the whole purpose of this book is to be able to recognize where we're, where we, when we get stuck in the ditch, what we do when we do get stuck, and then what we can do to climb out of the ditch. When we're on the road, that means we're able to value us and the other person equally. We're able to pull from the strengths, whether it be from strengths gained from being me-focused or strengths gained from being others-focused. We're able to balance those and know when to, um, to pull on those strengths. We're able to look at what another person thinks and feels and balance it with ours and value them. Uh, and we're able to um, learn how to speak and say things differently. A really huge part of this whole thing is learning how to say what we need to say in a different way. And often it's subtle, but it is powerful when we can begin to uh, speak uh, things more healthily. And I guess the one thing I would also like to say is that uh, couple talk or relationship enhancement, uh, it's the same principles delivered in two different ways. Relationship enhancement uh, is a communication skills program that teaches 10 skills pro- that provides us with a framework of safety for being able to communicate even the most difficult conversation or topics and couplepod.com is those relationship enhancement skills available online and it's couplepod.com and a lot of these principles from this book came from the principles that I learned through relationship enhancement and couple talk couple talk teaches us a way to communicate and work through conflict and a lot of, I have a lot of couples that come in and go, yeah, we have good communication skills. But what they don't realize is they don't really know how to resolve conflict in a healthy way that doesn't end up in an argument. And these communication skills teach us how to do that. And they teach us ways to de-escalate conflict when it's beginning to escalate. And so that's a huge, huge piece of becoming unstuck is learning how to address and talk about what it is that we need to talk about in a healthier way. And often we didn't even realize that the way that we were addressing it was unhealthy. And a lot of times it can be fairly healthy. We just need a little extra boost. Well, I have never heard of that couples talk, so I will definitely look at that website. That sounds like a real easy way to help couples focus on their communication, and do things a little bit differently. It is. It's amazing, and it's, it's, I'll spell it out, C-O-U-P-L-E-T-A-L-K.com. So it's very easy, couple talk. And, yes, it, and it's very affordable, too, because you can purchase the program. You, all you need to do is buy the book, and people can uh, learn the skills in a group, or they could do it individually. They can self-guide through. They could have somebody guide them through it. Uh, it's just very flexible, but it has been life-changing for my husband and I, and I've used principles of that in my sessions ever since I learned those skills. 
Well, I so appreciate the energy that went into this book. And like I said, it's so easy to understand. You've done a great job with the concepts. Um, and you're very encouraging. So keep us posted on other projects that you're doing because I have a, I have a feeling there's a sequel coming. Uh, yeah, well, as a matter of fact, I am working on a study guide so that we can just sit back and just ponder this information a little bit more because this can you could read through this book in a, a few hours or a couple of days, but it's a lifetime of applying the principles because we are faced with all kinds of things that we become afraid of uh, throughout our lives. And so we're never going to be 100% free of fear, but knowing how to address that fear and resolve it uh, so that most of the time we're living without fear is so freeing. And so I'm working on a study guide. I'm hoping to have it out by the end of next year. Hopefully. And if um, I can get it done more quickly, I will, but that's um, the goal is to have it done by December next year. So it's going to be a study guide about this. And then I'm, I have some other ideas in mind, but I haven't formulated those enough yet. So I will probably be doing more. Excellent. So I just want to remind everybody that I'm talking with Charlene Benson, and she has written this book, Unstuck, and it is a couple's guide to moving from powerless to empowered in your relationships. So, Charlene, thank you so much for writing this and being on the show tonight. Well, thank you so much, Carol, for having me. I just really appreciate for this opportunity to, to be on your show again. Uh, I just think what you're doing is an amazing service to uh, all of your listeners and throughout the U.S. Uh, so I'm just really, really grateful for how you get the word out there. Well, thank you much, and we'll keep in touch. Okay, thanks, Carol. Uh-huh. So, again, that was Charlene Benson, and she um, is a coach and a CSAT. She gets addiction, and that's um, always a good thing. You know, I was just talking with, uh, I have to think of how this went. Oh, I was just talking to an addict. He's been in three treatment centers for drugs, for alcohol, and for sex. And his home health worker that came in today, um, he's, only, he's you know just under 60. When she found out his level of anxiety and discontent, she looked at him and said, have you thought about marijuana? You know, marijuana is becoming legal in many, many states. Have you thought about that as a natural calming agent to your maladies? And, you know, this is actually in a group that I was running, and the group asked, and I said, you know, a lot of times they don't even know what they don't know. I mean, one would think that anybody in the health profession would know never to recommend marijuana to a drug or alcohol addict sex addict as well. But here this woman in all of her innocence did that. Well, there are lots of ways that you can be betrayed by health professionals who don't know what they don't know. And so stay on guard for that too. And if you get that gut feeling that this person is giving you bad advice, 
I want you to run. You know, get out of that situation and find a specialist who gets whatever you're working on. And obviously, it's probably going to be addiction, sex addiction, because that's why you listen to the show. All right. I will talk to you next week. I want you to make it a good one. Hopefully, my post-traumatic growth course will be up. Don't forget, I've got the Help Her Heal online course, too. You can get those on Sex Help with Carol the Coach. That's my website. And as I say at the end of every show, there will always and only be one of you at all times. So fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Make it a good one, and I'll see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach.